Hey, Hannah, how the fucking stars be these days? Uranus is in retrograde. Uranus would be in retrograde. God. Actually, that's it. <laughs> oh, okay. Good evening, beautifuls. I'm Hannah. And I'm Grace. And this is the True Crime Tea Hour. a new thing since we last did an episode you do i have a kitty cat now my friends got me a kitten for my birthday yes and he's very cute he's a little black cat named zephyr and he tiny tiny monster he is he thinks that attacking my head in the middle of the night is his favorite thing to do so that's been great i mean he's a baby he's like a small baby (laughs) yeah i think i they said five months when I adopted him, but I'm pretty sure he was closer to three months old. Yeah. He was really tiny, and he's still pretty small, but he's grown a lot. He's I've got a little, like, cat hammock set up on my bookshelf, and he's sleeping oh, in it. He's very cute. Hammock. It's his favorite place to be when I'm in my office. I love it. I love it a lot. He's a sweetie. That's Grace's big news. <laughs> yeah. And also, I've just been knitting. I decided to uh, knit my friend's hats for Christmas. And, um, boy, oh, I'm regretting it. Seven hats. My phalanges. <laughs> Dancing phalanges. Dancing phalanges. I was really, did anybody else watch Bones growing up? Seriously. If you guys oh. get that reference from Bones, you are one of us. You are, yes, you one are one of us. us. All right. <laughs> Let's get into it. Well, Grace, I'm going to segue crash <laughs> I don't know how our conversations never lead into what we're like supposed to be talking about. I know. So they're always a segue crash. Hey, Hannah, what are you drinking? I'm drinking tea in a hundred year old vintage bone china cup that I got from Christmas from our dad's partner. And I am in love. It was really sweet of her. It was really great. It really was. Oh my gosh. I. I collect vintage teacups, guys. That's a huge piece of the True Crime Tea Hour. And so to get uh, two teacups and saucers that are like bone china from England from like 100 years ago was like, just a, it was a, a pretty big deal. It was really sweet. And I love them very much. Nice. So, Grace, what are you drinking? Uh, wine. <laughs> My friends got me a um, bottle of uh, pink Pinot Grigio like a rosé pinot grigio or something and it's very good i've already finished the bottle this is the last of it and i'm a little sad oh look at you yeah but yeah i mean you did you did that to yourself i did i sure did so i got a kitten in wine for my birthday and i was it was fucking good that's pretty dope and hannah got me a uh and some legos which like you can't go wrong yes okay that's my new prerogative when it comes to Christmas is adults get toys. As they should. We deserve it. Yes, because life sucks. And a Lego set feels pretty damn nice. Hannah and I's Christmas presents to each other is not getting each other Christmas presents. It's the best decision we've ever made. We're so <laughs> pleased. <laughs> we were both just like, oh, thank fucking God. Okay, oh, cool. Uh, Sweet. Oh. Love you. One more person <laughs> off the list. Awesome. <laughs> One less hat to make. <laughs> All right. So, I do have a quick sip. It's a short one, and it literally just occurred. And I'm only going to read you the very tiny 
blurb because there's literally no other information. You ready? Mm -hmm. Officials are investigating after a human heart was found in a Tennessee Department of Transportation salt pile. Hey, why does Tennessee have to be this way? Oh, yeah. I bring up Tennessee in today's episode, too, by the way. Yeah. I don't know. God. The salt that they use to salt the roads so that it doesn't, like, so that you can drive on them. Because, like, you know, the storms are starting and it's Tennessee. It snows there. Mm -hmm. So they have piles of salt at the Departments of Transportation. And somebody just left a human heart. And we're, like, full confirmed it's human, yeah? 100%. Okay. My question. My question is... Did transportation fuck up or is it a murder? Because <laughs> honestly, I could see this being an accident. I could see this being what? a fuck up. How? Okay, explain the fuck up to me because I don't see that. I, I want to know why. Like donation transportation. I don't know. There's an accident with, the, with live tissue transportation from hospital to hospital. Something happens. There's an accident. They lose the heart and Cinnamon forgets about it and didn't, doesn't go and get it. Because hospital bureaucracy is terrible. And and it was there for a while. And probably in salt. So, you know, it could happen. That's such a weird... Okay. I mean, it was probably a murder. But I am I just think it's funnier. It would be funnier, by the way. If somehow it was like a heart transportation pluck up. But actually, that's pretty sad. That's also very sad someone didn't get a heart. I think yeah. it's a moita. You think it's a moita? I do. I think that fucking Tennessee is going to start finding... Like bits of pieces. Yes. Ew. Yes. I mean, by the way, when you said you thought it was a like a transportation fuck up, I thought what you were gonna say is that like a worker of the Department of Transportation hissed somebody else off, so they murdered them and left their heart in a salt pile. Just as a as a big old fuck you, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I like how that I don't consider a murder somehow though. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's not it a murder it's a, a transportation fuck up. fuck up it's like my fucking morals are low damn uh, so I think what it was is it was actually in the lot of the department of transportation and it was in the it was like on top of the giant piles of salt before they got moved out into the street so I think somebody had to go in and place the heart there like stashed it in the salt hoping the salt would do something like they read something online that salt degrades tissue or something i mean but it wouldn't make any sense to do that though because it's like the i mean the reason they found it is because they went to go spread out the fucking salt yeah do we have any more information this was like <laughs> i need more information on this one i'm uncomfortable with the salt aspect i think and just a lone heart yes is a it's a bit much right it's it's a little like okay there um I mean there's like a famous butcher I'm trying uh, from like England no wait no it was like Ohio okay I'm thinking of a really famous case where like a bunch of body parts are found separately I'm gonna have to like a butcher of Ohio the torso killer wait, that's Ohio what I'm butcher. thinking of yeah the torso wait that killer. sounds familiar. He would, like, ah. leave the body parts in places, but he would leave them in really obvious places because uh, he wanted people to find them. And it was really common that he would leave, like, the torso of one victim and then, like, the legs of another victim. Ew. Do you think we're going to find a brain? Hey, Tennessee, are you okay? Hey, Tennessee, are you okay? Also, are we going to find He's a like, brain? like, probably not, huh? 
I want to know what I kind of want to know what happened to the rest of the person. Uh, yeah, I want to watch this documentary. <laughs> what what happened here? What's what's going on, guys? You okay? You okay there? Whose heart is it? They need it they back. They need it back. I don't think they need it back anymore. There's a couple of organs that we can live without, and the heart is not one of them. Probably not. But still. Okay. Well, well, well. Another another non-murder theory. Okay. It, it's it's a uh, it's um someone's discarded heart from a transplant. Grace. Like they the it's biohazard material and it's and it's someone fucked you up. You really want it to be the I just think you would up. Be... You do not want this to be a murder. <laughs> I don't cuz it's really gruesome. It's really horrible. And also I've watched too much Grey's Anatomy. The statistical chances of what you're outlining is so unlikely. It is so much more likely that it's a murder. Uh, yeah, but what kind of fucking 10 years have we been having here, huh? It is 2022, guys. So, (laughs) nothing is off the table on the bingo card. I'm just saying. Nothing. I mean, one of the Try Guys cheated on his wives and we, I mean, that wasn't on the bingo card. Except I knew he sucked. What? Who? I Who are you talking about? Do you not know about this? No. Ned, I love my wife from the Try Guys, cheated on his wife with one of their employees. Who are the Try Guys? The BuzzFeed Try Guys. Never mind. <gasps> I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Wow. He sucked. I found him creepy when they did the like um, alcohol tolerance episode forever back. And he was like an angry drunk. And I was like, that makes me uncomfortable. I, I don't like him anymore. Validating anything to do with BuzzFeed like five years ago. I just can't. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They separated way back from BuzzFeed, of course, because BuzzFeed sucked. But this is a very topical conversation. I thought you would know about it. <laughs> nope. Yeah. This is like the first time all year that I've actually felt 30. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. All right. Feels bad. So that was my quick sip. I know it was super short, and Grace and I had a ton of speculation, but that's it. That's all we know. If I learn more in future episodes, I will definitely update you guys. You want to make a bet on whether it was a murder or not? No, Grace, because I will win the bet. I don't have money. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have money. <laughs> I'm so poor. Yeah, so Please don't make me pay it's you. It's a murder. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I I... I mean, probably it is a murder, but I want to hold... You know what, Grace? The idea that it's not. We're... Because it would make me sad if it was. Okay. Do you think it's from forever ago? Nah, man. I'm pretty sure it was a fresh heart. They didn't say it was, but... But, like, salt would dehydrate it anyway, so it would get all shrivelly and preserved. But it's also... It's, like, freezing temperatures Preserve the right meats. Now. And so, it like, it probably... They probably placed it on top of the salt pile, and it, like, froze overnight. Why are we talking about the condition of the heart, Grace? Uh, because I deeply care. <laughs> okay. All right. And I want more information. Let me see. Hold up. About this mystery heart. Hold up. Anyway, continue. I'm gonna do some extra Googling. Oh, really? Yes. So they actually found it last Thursday, but they just released that they found it yesterday. An initial examination of the heart determined that it was that of an adult male. Additional DNA testing will be performed to try to determine its origins. This remains an active and ongoing investigation. Interesting. Wait, what did you say the condition of the heart was? They have not stated it. Oh, okay. Although the sheriff who's investigating said, I've got 32 years in law enforcement. 
I do have to say this is probably in the top five of most bizarre things that I have ever seen. I think that's fair. Yep. I think that's a healthy response. The station reported that as workers retrieved salt from their barn, they discovered what they believed to be a weirdly shaped rock. The heart appeared to have been there for a while, and it was dehydrated from the salt. I told you. There you go. Boom, baby. Shrivelly preserved male human heart mm-hmm. human heart so i was in the storeroom so could have been there a while saying someone thought they got away with the murder and they didn't it's a moita moita not a moita i'm inter- i'm gonna follow the story i'm really interested keep me updated please i really hope this doesn't become a dead end i i mean this i mean it could take years but i don't know it could be the start we could start finding human hearts all over Tennessee. Mm, God, poor Tennessee. Are you guys, you're not okay, huh? Like I said, I have a okay. Tennessee thing in here today, too. So, blink twice if y'all need help. They do. Tennessee needs help big time. We live there. We know. We lived there. We understand. <laughs> Our empathy goes out to you. <laughs> we get it. Okay. So, we are going to take a quick tea break and then we are going to get started. And our episode today is actually pretty unique for Grace and I. We're keeping along the lines of the highway killers. We are almost done with this theme. But this episode, I have three killers in one episode. Hey, Hannah, would you call it a triple threat? We're kicking Grace off the show. Please laugh. (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing this by myself. That's fair. Oh, no. My minimal participation (laughs) has been thwarted. Not minimal for very long. Someone has a... No, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I had so much time. Yeah. Get ready, Grace. Your episodes are coming up. Um, yep. Gotta do the thing. There's not nearly as much interrogation footage this time, so I think it won't be so bad, but... Nothing can uh, stress me out more than the Jennifer Pancase did. Uh, we're going to take a quick tea break, and then we are going to jump in to numero uno of our highway killers. Our triple threat. Triple threat? Today. (laughs) (laughs) I guess we're adopting it. (laughs) All right. Welcome back, guys. I hope you had a good tea break, a good cuddle with with a fur baby. I hope you guys got yourself a blanket. These are some highway killers. I don't really know how else to describe them. Uh, All of them are kind of terrible people. And uh, I definitely decided to focus much more on the victims. As you guys know, I prefer to do that. So to start off with, we are going to discuss John W. Boyer, also known as the Long Haul Territory Killer. 34-year-old Michelle Yvonne Hagadone went missing in the summer of 2000. She disappeared from a truck stop near an area hotel in Leland, North Carolina. According to her family, she was a loving mother, a beautiful daughter, and one of the most caring persons I've ever known. At the time she disappeared, she was working as a sex worker. On September of 2011, She was identified with the remains found 11 years earlier in Darlington County, South Carolina. She was found beneath pine straw in a parking area on Interstate 20. 
the DNA from her remains had been sent to a science center three years earlier and finally came back with a match. The DNA match came after John Wayne Boyer admitted to killing her. She was strangled with a wire cord. Michelle Hagedon was one of three victims of the Long Haul Territory Killer. Did we talk about this guy last episode? Not last episode, but he is one of the killers who was thought to potentially have killed Tammy Zawicki. Right, yeah. Yeah. Right. So his next victim, Jennifer Smith, was discovered in 2005. She was 25 years old when she disappeared, and she was working as a sex worker at the time. She was found in an abandoned parking lot in Hickman County, Tennessee, by a highway worker. So we're... We're to Tennessee here. <laughs> God, you know what? Don't be a highway worker in Tennessee. Just say no. You're going to find a dead body. It's like being a jogger in the morning, man. You're just going to find bodies. Yep. A DNA profile was collected during her autopsy and placed in the National DNA Database. A match came back December 2007, connecting her as a victim of John Wayne Boyer. According to sources, John worked as a truck driver in 2004 and 2005. During that time, he had stopped his truck at a stop in Denmark, Tennessee. There he picked up Jennifer on April 18, 2005. According to sources, they had sex in his truck, which allegedly turned into an argument, and then he killed her. In January of 2006, John Wayne Boyer confessed to the murder of Scarlett Wood. In 2003, Scarlett Wood attended a party at a motel in Wilmington, North Carolina. Because he'd been seen with Scarlett at the party, police questioned John Wayne Boyer, who stated that she'd left while he was sleeping, which I'm assuming means that they had hooked up at the party and she left while he was sleeping. But over a year later, her body was discovered battered with stab wounds and it was almost two years before the body was confirmed to be that of Scarlet Wood. According to his confession, Boyer killed her after an argument, striking her head on furniture, but an autopsy found she had suffered broken ribs and facial bones, Jesus. and her pelvic bones were showing signs of stabbing. Very violent human being. Yeah, Jesus. When investigators were interviewing John Wayne Boyer, they said he went on a tirade against women. The first thing he said to the detectives was, and I quote, what bitch are you here about? Ew, buddy. Ew. Ew. You're a shit person. Got it. Yeah. I mean, like, we knew that, obviously, but ew. This is, it also gives me, like, Ed Kemper vibes, you know? Like that just, like, complete hatred for women. The loathing, yeah. So the investigators were chilled by the hatred towards women from a man who had never been married and lived with his mother near Augusta, Georgia. <laughs> so he still lived with his mother at the time of his arrest. Uh, I, um, there's like a stereotype, you know, about like men who live with their mothers, which like isn't even true anymore because a lot of our generation still lives with our parents. And so like, it's not something you can really judge on anymore. But um, how old was he? He was, he was old. He was in like his 50s. Oh, uh, yeah, that's weird. He was 58 when he was arrested. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe don't live with your mom. Maybe don't do murder. How about that one? Live with your mom, 
you know? Totally fine. Don't do murder. Don't do murder. <laughs> yeah. It's my advice, kids. Live with your mom. Don't do murder. He is the prime suspect in the death of 26-year-old Rose Marie Mallet, who was reported missing in 2001, which her remains were found wrapped in a blanket in an industrial area of the city of Wilmington, North Carolina. A year later, the back of her skull crushed. Now, this one, that is pretty similar to Tammy Zawicki. Because remember, she was wrapped in a blanket. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. What is with these fucking guys having the same MO? It's because they're like, they're in their trucks. They're using the tools that are in those long haul trucks. Mm. If you need to like wrap up a body, you have blankets in the back. You wrap it up that way. You dump it on the side of the road. I think it's convenience, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. He admitted to strangling 34-year-old Michelle Hagedone with a wire. He also admitted to the murder of Scarlett Wood as well as Jennifer Smith's death. Now, Monica Carson, founder of Community United Effort Center for Missing Persons in Wilmington, said investigators need to look at three cases where women disappeared over five months in 1995 in Brunswick County, North Carolina, just west of Wilmington. Am I saying what? Brunswick. Brunswick? Brunswick? Brunswick. Brunswick. Oh. Yeah. I'll go with Brunswick. Unless I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm not. She stated, we have a lot of unsolved missing persons in the general area where Mr. Boyer was known to frequent, live, and be. So to me, that alone warrants a second look. So he was arrested in 2006, convicted of second-degree murder for Scarlett Wood, and sentenced to 12 years in prison, which... Is super short. Yeah. But he was then extradited to Tennessee in 2005 to face charges for Jennifer Smith's death. And he is spending the rest of his life in prison. Well, that's good. Yep. Preservedly so. What was with the weirdly short sentencing, though? I have no idea. That's weird. And it was second degree murder, not first degree. What? Yeah. Did he have like a good fucking lawyer or something? Jesus. Right? I think he got away with his whole like, we had an argument and she hit her head on the furniture bullshit, even though the coroner definitely found Mm. different evidence. He had a good lawyer and a gullible jury. Yeah. And a lenient judge. Jeez. He didn't get away with 12 years. I mean. No, no. I mean, obviously, but the first sentencing was weird. He also did himself in because the reason why they were able to connect him and they tested the DNA to him was because he confessed to those killings. So, yeah, yeah, true. All right. So that was our first of the triple threat. We're going to jump in to Clark Perry Baldwin. All right. Wait, I'm not ready. Ah. Anna's trying to rush me. Um, I need you guys to condemn her. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Section two of this episode, we're going to talk about Clark Perry Baldwin, who actually does not have a serial killer title. No one called him anything, uh-huh. which is fine. He doesn't deserve one. That's funny. <laughs> Everybody laugh at him. Laugh at him. It's fucking embarrassing. Yeah, he wasn't cool enough. Mm-mm. Bet he didn't get letters in prison. Well, he get, he didn't get to sit at the cool kids' table. Yeah. He doesn't even go here. <laughs> I'm sorry. I enjoy fucking making fun of serial killers. They're fucking idiots. You don't get cool serial killer name. Just interesting phenomenon. 
I know we try so hard to explain why it happens, and I think that we still don't. Well, because the human brain is and absolutely uh, unquantifiable. Um, mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Doesn't make any sense. It's all a mystery in that gray-gray matter. Um, and humans do weird fucking shit, and there's not a lot to explain it. It's stuff like what we're talking about, how humans do weird fucking shit. That when you look at the evolutionary um, like process to becoming this sentient human being that we have, and you know, there's the there's the stoned ape hypothesis. That's the one I was telling you about the other day about the mushroom theory. Yeah, yeah, that a huge part of our development and our prefrontal cortex and everything was due to the fact that we did drugs. Apes in the Fertile Crescent. We were eating this very potent. Uh, psilocybin mushroom which uh, you know i was talking with somebody the other day where i was like well wouldn't that mean that because we're not intaking this consistent supply of mushrooms that there's this like huge deficiency that we have right now as human beings in this really important evolutionary structure of ours are you saying that people who microdose have figured it out yeah probably honestly fair they seem really well adjusted <laughs> way more than me <laughs> More than me. I'm eons away from getting my life together. Wee you. Oh. Yeah. Dude, I worked with someone once who microdosed, and she just, God, she she had it, her shit together. Really? She was so cool and so chill, and man, I wanted to be her. That's all I had on that. How did we, we always get back on the topic of drugs. <laughs> um... This <laughs> we can never do like a cartel episode because we'll just spend the entire time talking about drugs. <laughs> we live in the Southwest. We could never do a cartel episode. That's right. Okay, so to prevent Grace and I from getting on another soapbox about drugs, drugs. I'm gonna do a segue crash into <laughs> our next segment. That went well. Uh, should we just call that an Australian Segway crash? Is that what we should reference? Like, oh, no. I'm going to pull an Australian Segway crash. Poor mom and our stepdad. That was so bad. Oh, guys, I'm sorry. I laugh about it because you're okay. <laughs> they, they laugh about it because they're okay, too. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Pamela Rose Aldridge McCall was born in Cedar Rapids, but lived in Virginia. At 32, Pamela was killed in Tennessee in 1991. She was pregnant at the time and was last seen at a truck stop. Now, Grace, so this is our third mention of Tennessee. Yup. It was not when we lived there, huh. but it was in our old town. What? She was found in the woods off Interstate 65 in Spring Hill, Tennessee. In the March of 1991. Are you sure we didn't live there? That was nine years before we lived there. We moved there in 2000. I wasn't born until 1994. That's right. Sorry. My brain thought you said 2001. And we definitely did live in Tennessee in 2001. Yes. We celebrated that. Y2K like two months after we moved there. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, but wow. A thing. That's the smallest town too. Yeah, Holy it's shit. a tiny little rural suburb town. It had one elementary school, one middle school, and one high school. Like an hour away from Nashville. Like we lived in a neighborhood surrounded by farms. Yep. That's Spring Hill, Tennessee. We had a mole in the backyard once. Like a real I mole. That. That's 
freaky. Yeah, I know. I read that and I was like, I have got to tell Grace this part. An autopsy determined that she had a neck injury and died of strangulation. DNA of her killer was recovered from her pantyhose. So by the way, all three of these guys got brought down by DNA. This is definitely a pro-DNA episode. Hell yeah. DNA. DNA. DNA forensics are the fucking coolest. Do you know how cool science is? Science is fucking cool. I know. (laughs) You looked so small. I know. (laughs) I know how cool it is. (laughs) Me. Science is fucking cool, guys. Now, her killer, Clark Perry Baldwin, wasn't arrested for her murder till 30 years later. Damn. In Wyoming, Baldwin was charged in the deaths of two unidentified women whose bodies were found in 1992, roughly 400 miles apart. The women were referred to as Bitter Creek Betty, which is the creek that she was found in. Not The South has really weird, weird names, names for stuff for... like that. There's one in New Mexico called Kitty Joe Creek. Cool. I drive by it sometimes. Huh. Kitty Joe Creek. It's also creek. weird that creeks have names. Yeah. Yeah. The other victim is referred to as I-90 Jane Doe. Both were believed to be in their late teens or early 20s, according to Wyoming Division of Criminal Investigation Commodore Matt Waldock. A female trucker discovered the nude body of the first victim in March 1992 near the Bitter Creek truck turnout on I-80, which I-80 is the one that we were talking about in the Tammy the Wiki yeah, episode. That's what I thought, yeah. But this was the stretch of I-80 in southern Wyoming. An autopsy determined the woman suffered head trauma consistent with strangulation, and her body had likely been in the snow for weeks. Jeez. A month later, Wyoming Department of Transportation workers found a partially mummified body of a pregnant woman in a ditch off I-90 near Sheridan in northern Wyoming. And this was I-90 Jane Doe. How was she mummified? That's wild. Was it just sort of boggy? Because this is like a month later. So it would have been April, which means that she probably would have gone through a freeze and then like the heat of the spring. Freeze. Uh, Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah dehydration yeah mm-hmm. that's so sad she was pregnant yeah mm-hmm. an autopsy did not determine the cause of death but found that she had a head injury consistent with suffering a blow to the head authorities believe he may be connected to other cases uh, like we already spoke he was another possible connection with tammy joe Zawicki. another is the 1992 killing of Rhonda nutston She was 22. She was a truck stop convenience store clerk in northern Iowa who was bludgeoned to death during an overnight shift. Investigators have released sketches of two men who were in the store, including one trucker, and Baldwin lived nearby Nashua at the time. Baldwin's name also surfaced during a 1992 homicide investigation in Iowa. His ex-wife told police then that Baldwin once bragged about killing a girl out west by strangulation and throwing her out of his truck. What the fuck, bro? Like, it's the bragging for me. Like, Jesus. Yeah. Like, you really think you're not going to get fucking caught when you brag about murdering someone? No. 
you know, like the Hollywood video murders that we talked about, like the, the, Mm -hmm. just the fact that they bragged about it and talked about it was one of the reasons why they got caught. Yeah. So immediately. I think it's like this psychological thing where like, it's so huge and it weighs on someone so heavily that like they have to talk about it. And one of the ways that that comes through is bragging. Yeah. Especially for very like narcissistic people. It, it comes through as, as, um, pride, which is super gross. Yeah, it's definitely mental health related. Oh, for sure. So Clark Perry Baldwin was 58 when he was taken into custody in May of 2020. So this is like 30 years after he committed these murders. He was taken into custody at his Waterloo, Iowa home after investigators linked his DNA with semen and other materials recovered from the victims. So he was arrested because Tennessee reopened the McCall case. So this is Pamela Rose Aldridge McCall, the first victim that I talked about. Yeah. In April of 2019, and using DNA recovered from the crime scene, authorities were able to create a DNA profile of the suspect. When put into the national database, the DNA came back as a match for a suspect in the two unsolved homicides in Wyoming. Investigators zeroed in on Baldwin after finding DNA in a commercial genealogy database of a relative's profile. Oh. Yep. Fuck yeah. We are here for the fucking genealogy DNA testing. It gets better. We're fucking here for it. So then to match it with him, because they had the profile, they had the genealogy database, and now... The FBI secretly collected DNA from Baldwin's trash and a shopping cart he used at Walmart, and it matched the profile. We love to hear it. Yep. Fucking science, friends. (sighs) He is still sitting in prison waiting a conviction. It looks like it probably got held up because of the pandemic. That makes sense. Jeez, though. Yeah. Well, good. Rot. Yeah. Rot and wait. Fuck you, guy. It's crazy. And I like, there's no way that there aren't. I mean, we don't know for sure, but we're talking about like, he killed all these women in a row in the early 90s and then wasn't caught until 2020. That's a huge gap. Yeah. That there may have been victims during that we don't know. Cause I, it, it, it usually takes something pretty extreme for someone to stop. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, um, God, I watched a thing. I can't remember what it was about um, why serial killers take breaks. And I think it's generally like to not get caught, but there's also like a, they sometimes freak themselves out, hmm. but like go back to it because they can't stop the urges of wanting to kill someone, you know? It's, I, I wish I remembered what it was. I don't know. My information might be really off there. Okay. I don't remember. I'll, if I can find it again, I'll send it to you. Yeah, please do. So that's interesting. Well, that is it for Clark Perry Baldwin. And we're going to take a quick tea break. We are going to get to our third and final killer of the episode, Adam Leary Lane, a.k.a. the Highway Killer. The Highway Killer. Hold on to your seats. Hold on to your butts. We are back. I hope you guys had a good cuddle. Maybe took a deep breath. Woo. Took a moment to to connect with yourself. 
I always like to take a mindful moment and like taste and feel the tea that I'm drinking. Oh, I wasn't sure where you were going with taste. <laughs> Sorry, I made a really horrified face at that. <sighs> I was like, what you tasting over there? Jesus. I like to take a moment and lick my cat. Ew, don't do that. That really visually reminded me of um that fucking silicone tongue for like licking your cat's back. You like put it in your mouth. I didn't. That lives rent free in my brain. I forgot about that. That was living in my mental vault. You need to develop a vault. I sure. You know what? I think it's because the vault's full. Because I have repressed <laughs> so much. All the minor things just live rent free. Yep. So now shit's just running wild out there. <sighs> so our last highway killer for this episode. Adam Leroy Lane, a.k.a. the Highway Killer, which I think is really interesting because all these guys are highway killers, but he's the one actually dubbed the Highway Killer. Yeah. I'm going to preface this one by saying he is a little bit different. The other two seem to be much more opportunity killers who took their rage on women out against, you know, the the sex workers and the like truck stop workers that they interacted with. Many basically people they could get their hands on. Mhm. Yes. This is not the case for Adam Leroy Lane. Oh. He is an opportunity killer who goes out of his way for the opportunity. Uh s- searching for the opportunity. Yeah. So I'll outline it and you'll kind of see what I'm talking about. Yeah. He actually, like, tracks these women down, Ew. breaks into their homes. Ew. To start off with, 42-year-old Darlene Ewalt lived in a suburban home in West Hanover Township near Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. She was stabbed and killed around 2 a.m. on July 13, 2007. At the time, she was talking on the telephone on her patio outside her home. Her throat was slit and she was stabbed to death with a long knife while her family was inside the house. So she just stepped outside to have a phone conversation while her whole family was still inside the house and she was killed. Jesus, that's so fucking weird. Yeah. So next, Patricia Brooks was stabbed on July 17th, 2007 in rural York County, Pennsylvania. She was sleeping on her couch inside her home. She survived. Okay. She was like, wait, someone just broke in and stabbed her on her couch? Well, she was having a nap on her couch. Jesus. And she survived. Monica Massaro was a 38-year-old woman in a duplex in Bloomsbury, New Jersey. Her throat was cut. She was stabbed in the head, neck, and chest, and she was killed in her bedroom. What the fuck? On July 30th, 2007. So by the way, we're talking Darlene was killed July 13th. Patricia was attacked July 17th. Monica was killed pretty immediately after. And then July 30th, this is where we're at now, 15-year-old Shay McDonough was attacked in Chelmsford, Massachusetts. A man clad in all black with a ski mask and gloves attacked her with a 15-inch hunting knife. Jesus. Her parents awoke at 4 a.m. to the sound of her struggling. Her 135-pound mother and 160-pound father were able to subdue 
her 245-pound attacker. This attacker is Adam Leary Lane, and they wrestled the knife he was carrying away from him. The mother did suffer knife cuts. Yo, these parents be badasses, though. Yes. All three of them survived. The Chelmsford police were contacted, arrived at the scene, where the father was holding him in a headlock, and they arrested Adam Leary Lane. I love them. Fuck yes. Fucking heroes. Now, Lane was born on August 6, 1964, in Jonesville, North Carolina. He dropped out of high school and later acquired a job as a truck driver and an occasional chicken plant worker. As an adult, he lived in a trailer with his wife and three daughters. Lane committed these murders while he was on his way through the Northeast as a truck driver during the summer of 2007. Now, this is something that's kind of interesting. When investigators searched his truck, they found, and this is so weird, this is like a thing in here. They found a DVD of the 2002 horror movie, Hunting Humans. Which is about a serial killer who stalks his victims before killing them with a knife. It is absolutely like a depiction of a narcissistic serial killer and like him hunting his victims. Yeah. Yeah. So there's like idealization going on? Uh, Possibly. It's really interesting because this film wasn't really popular until it was found in Lane's truck. And that's how it got like notoriety. Mm. Now it's called classic, huh? Fucking. Lane also carried two large hunting knives, choke wire, and a leather mask with the eyes and mouth cut out. It has been speculated by law enforcement authorities that he has been involved with other murders in other parts of the country. This has not been proven. He has refused to comment to police or the general public about this speculation. This dude just sounds like a fucking douchebag, you know? Yeah, this is why I said he kind of stood out compared to the other two, Mm -hmm. you know? So he was linked to Darlene by DNA on his knife, which also linked him to Patricia. Police also discovered gloves with his DNA and one of his victim's blood. He received a 25 to 30 year sentence in Massachusetts for the attack on Shay. New Jersey sentenced him to 50 years for the murder of Monica. In Pennsylvania, Lane pleaded guilty in order to avoid the death penalty. He received 10 to 20 years for the attempted murder of Patricia and received life for the murder of Darlene. He is serving his sentences in the State Correctional Institution in Fayette County, Pennsylvania. And that concludes our three highway killers. (laughs) our triple threat fucking weird last guy was fucking i mean they were all fucking weird but last guy was fucking weird yes he was absolutely that's why i kind of left him for last because he 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 was fucking weird that's why i said he was like he's an opportunity killer but he really went out of his way that's really interesting too because even opportunity killers are not that random you know Yeah, like they're more like the other two, right? Like they're going to kill, you know, the people they run into in their daily routines like that. Yeah. So the thing about Lane is that he didn't really, he didn't say much. He Like the other two admitted to their killings, right? Like that's why, that's one of the reasons why they got caught 
Yeah. It's because, like, well, after they got caught after the first uh, investigation, they were just like, yeah, and I killed all these other women. Let me give you a list. But Lane didn't admit to anything. He didn't give a list. I mean, if I was to put any of them in this, like, category of really terrifying serial killer, they all are. But Lane kind of stands yeah. in a different category. Yeah. Fucking, like, the ideation is what gets me. Because, like, the movie thing and such a specific... This is a plot of hunting humans. In Maryland, Eric Blue, a mortgage broker, leads a double life as a narcissistic serial killer, one who prides himself in discerning his victims' patterns and routines, while claiming to not have any traceable ones of his own. Okay. Like, get over yourself. Yep. Uh, uh, Like, it's fucking annoying. That sounds fucking annoying. Yeah. Like, it's not, like, dude probably thought he was so fucking cool, you know? Yeah. Especially, like, what did you say, a 15-inch fucking hunting knife? Yes. Just buy a machete. Get over yourself. And he had two of these when he was caught. He had two large hunting knives in his truck. God, go to therapy. Yeah. Like, sorry. I have so much hope for this, like, age of mental health awareness. Yes, I really do. All right, Grace. So that was it. That was our our three killers. Woot! I need to start doing my job now. Yep. Time's running out. You got two more episodes. This is the second to last episode on Highway Killers. We have one more where we're going to be covering a, probably the most famous highway killer, who is the I-5 killer. Yeah. Hey, I didn't cry this episode, so that's good. good job guys i do want to point out it was really difficult to find information on any of these victims i had to scour i had to pay for articles it was really hard anna always does her absolute best to research the victims as much as she can and sometimes the information just isn't out there which is really fucking sad that is exactly what i was going to point out it really breaks my heart when I can't find much on the victims. These whole entire people. I know. Which, you know, that is a double-edged sword. Because on one hand, it would be really great if we knew more about them. If we focused the stories around them. But on the other hand, I know their families have probably been through a lot. It's also very true. And we, we talked about that a little bit last episode. About a lot of these families just really want to be left alone. Yep. Yeah. And move on and grieve as much as they need to without the public eagle-eyeing them. Yes. And they can do that. They have every right to do that, to grieve how they need to. Mm-hmm. There's there's no wrong way to grieve. Nope. You know, we talked about that in the Jennifer Pan episode. You know, there's no wrong way to grieve. And then, uh, but on the other hand, like, we mentioned a couple of unsolved murders here. Yeah. We mentioned a couple of unidentified women. Who... Very likely have loved ones who never got closure. Yes. Which is a big reason why Grace and I do this. Because those victims, they deserve to be put to rest however they would have wanted. They deserve to have their families grieve and find closure and peace. Because it's not fair that these killers take that away from them. Get all all the glory they ever wanted. Yep. So, you know, guys... As we're ending this episode, I really want us to take a moment and be mindful of, uh, you know, the cases that haven't been solved. Yeah. Guys, just keep these victims in mind. Mm-hmm. And 
anything you can do, if you know any information, you know, please always call the authorities. And there's a lot of great nonprofits out there doing amazing work. Yes. Yes. You know, we, we mentioned some in the last episode, guys, especially for sex work. Mm-hmm. You know, make sure that you're taking care of your mental health. Please make sure that you're taking care of yourself. Reach out to resources if you need it, especially during the holidays. Yeah. How? What do you think if we end it on our tarot card? Let's do it. Woo! So I pulled the King of Swords. Uh, the King of Swords is a symbol of intellectual power and authority and has the courage and intellect to achieve all that he desires. So what you're saying is next month will be better? Shoot your shot now, guys. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Shoot your shot. And with that, that is the end of our episode. Yep. I hope you guys tune in for the next one. I'm done setting a time frame on when we're going to get these out. We are <laughs> so busy. There's so much we going on. We are flawed human <laughs> beings, and that's okay. <laughs> we do this for fun. Yeah, we do it for fun. All right. So... Well- be yeah. kind to your sweet baby hearts and minds, friends. Yes. Do do your do your best. Or don't. Sometimes, you know. Do you, boo. I believe in you. I'm proud of you, son. Thanks for listening, guys. Goodbye. Bye. subscribe to our podcast on Spotify and Google Podcasts and follow us on Instagram at True Crime Tea Hour.